Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Good morning, Matt. Ciao, Davide. Ciao, 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 ciao. Uh, where are you? Well, I'm still in Montalcino, where the wine meets the glass, meets the bill, and a dribble of the famous 2016 vintage will set you back a rather startling 15 euros. It's Giro d'Italia Day today, and though a little light rain may fall this morning, by the time the race hits town, it should be bright and breezy. Watch out for multiple road closures on all approaches as the local economy grinds to a complete halt for the day to allow for a load of bicycle riders and team cars to make a complete mess of pristine Tuscan vineyards. You're listening to The Morning Butterfly with me, Ned Bolting, and him, David Miller. It's 6.37. Here are the Pixies and Baser. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Never Strays Far Falley is brought to you by Chapter 3 and The Roadbook. Chapter 3 was created by David Miller in 2015 with the vision of creating cycling clothing that he would wear as a retired racer. Now they've made cycling kit to meet you wherever your ride takes you. And the good news, it's launching next month. In 2018, a team of dedicated enthusiasts delivered the inaugural edition of The Roadbook Cycling Almanac, an annual publication supplying data, essays and anecdotes from the racing calendar. The Roadbook has become the definitive companion of any serious fan of the sport. Documenting how the season bounced back from the pandemic, the latest 2020 edition has arguably never had such an important place on our bookshelves. Between us, we're giving away four full sets of Chapter 3's new kit, two men's and two women's, as well as four signed copies of the 2020 Roadbook. Plus, four sets of caps and socks with RB Exercise Book and Musette, bookmark as a secondary prize. All you have to do is head to the episode notes and click the link. Gravel, Ned. A lot of it. Seriously, a lot of it today, David. And I'm, um, yeah, stage seven and I'm super excited for the day still. But that's, a, that's a remarkable stage. What stage is it? Eleven. Yeah, I just I just said that. Were you not listening? I just said it's. I wasn't listening. I heard seven for some reason. Oh, it's stage eleven. Yeah, stage eleven. Halfway point. Okay. When we get to the halfway that point today, halfway. and the and the stage today is kind of a race of two halves. You know, it's a bit like um, Roubaix or Flanders. Like two halves. Yeah, so it kind of like has a, a prelude, and then with seventy k to go, boom, it all happens. I think. And what's the weather like? Bit bit. The wind is still blowing. It's been. It's been kind of consistently windy th- for a week mm. in Italy, um, switching to a kind of southerly, southwesterly direction now. But um, but a little bit of rain might fall, like I said in my, <laughs> my weather forecast just now, uh, in the morning. Uh, but it should be dry. Should be dry in the afternoon. Unlike what it was like you were talking about the other day in 2010 when you did. You finished in Montalcino. 
in the same town. Do you? Oh, did we? Yeah. Do you remember the finish uh, at all? I remember the finish. I remember there was, it was an uphill finish. I remember that. Very, and very, very uphill finish. Yeah, I do remember that vaguely. I mean, everyone was in pieces. There were just like groups of one, two riders by that point on that day. But <clears throat> yeah, it's a tough finish. That's for sure. Um, I was just checking. You were absolutely right. You finished 11th. And 11th. Um, mate, it was stage seven of the Giro. And you were, at the end of the day, you were third. <laughs> Look at that. You were third. You were yeah. on the podium of the Grand Tour. It's pretty good. Briefly. Yeah, I don't know what happened to you after that. Probably next day, slid back down again. <laughs> Sl- a slider. Snakes and ladders. I was very good at holding a podium in the Grand Tour as the first week. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it, was just, it was the two following that got tricky. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I- what else is going on? What's, what, what's Montecino like? It's um, it was it's really that's where you've been staying, isn't it? Yeah, just outside, a couple of kilometers outside in the hills in the vineyard. Actually, um, we're in a kind of uh, agriturismo, um, much to our disappointment because we were super excited when we arrived yesterday because it's a lovely place, really nice, huge bedroom sort of thing. Um, but we checked in and the lady said, and we kind of said, so what, what time's dinner and when's dinner? Because that's all you're fixated by, really, on a rest day. And she said, oh no, I'm afraid the restaurant's closed. Oh no! So then you have to go into town, and we had a. Um, well, actually, it's quite sad, you know. Mont- Montalcino is a kind of. Uh, I think it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, it's one of them. It's an absolutely picture perfect hilltop oh, Tuscan town. Um, I'm having flashbacks now. World, yeah. world famous for its wine. I mean, yeah. Uh, just you know. Um, it's it, it is actually I, mean, I was joking about that i did buy matt stevens as a little thank you for the, the week's work so far I, I, I bought him a glass just a glass <laughs> just one of uh the reser- reserver of uh the 20 uh, brian nygaard told me that who knows his mm. wine uh, messaged me to say the 2016 year is the one to go for so i, I bought him a glass so that's 15 euros for a little dribble of dribble of wine and but it's absolutely delicious um mm. But anyway, anyway, you don't want to know, but di- dinner was dinner was just insane. It was just a kind of a nonsense. There was only one restaurant seemingly in Montalcino that was open. And Oh, really? Yeah, and they'd done some sort of deal with the agency that books all the hotels for RCS. So all the Carabinieri, all the barrier guys, all the all the riggers, all the bits and pieces, we were all stuffed into this uh one terrace where there was one waitress and a, the oh, no. grumpiest old lady I have ever met in my life um and mm. uh, and the food is quite average but she yeah she just didn't want anyone in her restaurant it was remarkable she was like the only place making money last night and she just she just That's crazy. would rather not apparently Tuscans have a reputation in Italy for being a little bit um unfriendly welcoming yeah and mm. and like they're a little bit better than everybody else in Italy a bit like Parisians in France yeah, I guess it's because of their, I mean, you know, Florence was the capital city, wasn't it, of the new yeah. Italian <clears throat> kingdom after Turin. And, and they, I mean, it's not bad, is it, Tuscany? <laughs> but It's not. It's not terrible. And they probably look to the south and think everybody in the south is an uneducated peasant or corrupt. And they probably mm. look to the north and Lombardy and Piedmont and think that everyone's just interested in money and making money. Mm. And they're a bit better than that. You know, anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. What is um? What else you got up to on your rest day? What happened on rest days? Well, apart from 
trying to record a podcast with you. Oh, my, oh yeah, that was oh. a, an adventuresome pod. It was horrible, wasn't it? It was, I can't, I think, well, we just couldn't get it started, could we? No, and I did that thing. I just, I'm just checking, see if I'm recording. I did that thing again where I recorded the wrong track, and we must have been 20 minutes into the recording when yeah, I. Yeah, we were. And we had to go again, and that was the third time. And even then, if you listen to the podcast yesterday, as someone pointed out on Twitter, it sounds like I'm playing ping pong throughout the first half. It does. It's like, it's really weird. Yeah. It's like this little big clack, click, yeah. clack. Yeah. So it wasn't one of our finest ones. Ironically, you'd have thought on the rest day we'd have done the best one because we'd have had more time, but no, we managed to... The, the whole day slipped through my fingers yesterday, completely. And um, bearing in mind the kind of carnage of dinner as well, I didn't manage to sit down. We didn't actually get any food on our table until about 9.30. It's just kind of really irritating. It was like... Because then by the time we got back from town and everything, it was, it was 11 o'clock before mm. I was, and kind of, so I have woken up super early, but a little bit tired. Um, and then I had, in the morning, I had to collect some laundry and, uh, and then I had to go and have a COVID test. And um, yeah, and then later on in the day, the organization announced that 600 PCR tests were done uh, in the teams and the, and the staff and 600 negative results came back. Oh, that's thank, good, isn't it? Thank God. Yeah. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. But, um, and then I came, and, and then later on in the afternoon, yeah. after I did the pod, David, I spoke to Philippe Gilbert on, uh, did that live thing that I've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, how did that go? Really good. Yeah. 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 He sat there in, nice. he sat there in Monaco with Monaco behind him. And it was quite funny because we were, just as we were, um, uh, attempting to kind of set it up and just test test the picture and everything. Um, it was basically, Phil was a little bit kind of, a, he was just a silhouette because behind him was was the Mediterranean and through sort of glass doors mm. and everything. And so he was just like, it was completely blacked out. So <laughs> Harry, who was kind of producing it behind the scenes, was suggesting, maybe could you just angle the laptop to one side so we can see yeah. your face a little bit? So, so, so Phil kind of moved his laptop like that. Uh, and all that was revealed there was yet another massive glass wall. Because <laughs> I think, I'm just imagining Phil Jill's place in Monaco, you know, just a glass just palace, glass. you know, on the rock overlooking the sparkling Mediterranean. Um, but he was great. He's so cool. He's, so, he's just, he's racing on for another year and a half, David. He's, he's um, going to be at the Tour de France, he told us. And... Um, yeah, he said he was talking about how he, how he hasn't managed to complete the last three tours. I didn't realise it was that many. Yeah. That's true. Actually, I'd forgotten about it. Yeah, crashing out of all of them. Yeah, um, one way or the other, yeah. just unable to finish. You know, that obviously that really dramatic crash a couple of years ago with a bad knee inju- injury, and um, mm. so he's kind of. I think his I think his ambitions on this race are quite modest by his standards. You know, in July, because I, honestly, I think he just said, I, "I just need to get to Paris." You know. Um, really got real un- unf- unfinished business with that race i've got to get to paris and then you know the following year 2022 will probably be his last well it will be his last um because he's going to retire and then the peloton will be shorn of another one of your generation david dropping off we're all going one by one yeah yeah just, but he's still uh, how was he anyway how's he going yeah he's uh, um, yeah hard to, hard to say he just he actually he finished 11th in um trobro leon that um connor oh, not bad. connor swift won the other day yeah. so yeah um yeah. but he had some quite interesting stuff to say about remco oh go on yeah he um he he kind of reiterated all the various things that uh 
Crosswind Stan had told you about him being a lovely guy and, uh, you know, just a natural, open, uncomplicated soul, but very bright with it, you know. What you see is what you get. There's no, he's not, not, not the kind of kid who plays games. Um, but he also said what that I found was quite interesting. He kind of hinted that uh, when I when I put it to him that Remco was riding this Giro in a in a kind of un-Remco way that he was having to unthink some of his attacking spit, you know, and just be a totally different rider. He kind of agreed to a certain extent, but then he said, he said, but I know that team, you know, I know, I know what they'll be talking about. I know how they operate and there's no way. He basically hinted there's no way they're going to just defend until the final time trial. He said, they're going to hit, they're going to hit out in the final week with Remco. They're going to try something and get it done. So that's, uh, well, that's interesting. Well, he doesn't know that, but it's just his hunch about the way, do, you know, quick step right. Well, they're race. not exactly, the thing is with Koenig quick step as well, they're not exactly um, a renowned Grand Tour team. So no, it's, they don't have, they, you know, they'll, they'll be the first to admit that. So it's going to be interesting to see just how they do ride it. Because it's, it's not often they come to a Grand Tour with a, what is becoming clear an out and out contender, which does mean they're going to have to temper their, their usual one day style of racing. As we saw with Alaphilippe before, where it's just every single day is a one-day race. Um, yeah. And I think with Remco, it's a little bit of a mixture of that, isn't it? You've got to be conservative. But then, as Phil says, it's it's just deep in their DNA to, to attack and to kind of quick step, to race for the win. Yeah. It's not in their nature to sit back and just wait. So it will be interesting. Is, um, so that accidental GC race in 2019 with Alaphilippe, that I don't think they intended, it kind of just crept up no. on them, didn't it? Um, is that it? Is that their only other time they've actually had a credible chance of winning a Grand Tour? Quick, quick step. Yeah, I can't think. I genuinely can't think of any other time. It's yeah. It's it, one of the reasons is is that Patrick Lefebvre is renowned as being <clears throat> how would I put it? <laughs> Careful, conservative, man. <laughs> conservative <laughs> regards um, how much he spends on riders, and he's just not interested in in spending millions on Grand Tour contenders. It's true. Huh? He'd rather he'd rather go for the more either one day races because he gets more bang for his buck, or he gets them young um, while they're still on the on the traje- upward trajectory, so he gets them at a better price. But by the time they get to actual Grand Tour contender level, I think Patrick Lefebvre's just like, no way, <laughs> spending that much money in a rider. So and so the team just doesn't. It's, it's it is what it is because of because of Patrick Lefebvre's. Uh, strategy if you like for for running that team and it works it's kind of it goes to show that every year without fail they've got multiple new riders coming through winning races often every time a rider gets to like major hitter standard asking the big bucks they leave so Remco is one of the only ones he's kind of he's invested in long term which is interesting yeah it's true isn't it Um, David you do get there are a bunch of riders including Dan Crosswind Stan of course who you know Mm. hitters you know really accomplished riders who who go there and then they only stay a year, sometimes. Uh, it's quite interesting, that, isn't it? And I think, I think you're right. I think it does have something to do with the wage, the wage structure. And, and, and I think, I'm reading between the lines here, but then when you take this, the succession of sprinters as well, who thrive with Quickstep in terms of their achievements, and their, but they move on kind of surprisingly yeah. quickly. You think, what? Well, hang on, why is, why is Viviani going to coffee this? Why is Sam Bennett thinking of, why has that come to an end? And often, if you scratch beneath the surface, it might well be, Financial, I think that's all it is. Uh, eventually, and he said, and Patrick Fels was the first one to say it. He says, "I just can't afford them." The, 
them now and make them good, then they move on and then often they'll come back again when yeah. when their money's right for, for Patrick Lefebvre. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's and I guess that's kind of cool because it goes to show the culture of the team as well. Patrick Lefebvre, he, he doesn't take, for once for better terms, well, the easier route of just signing the big money people yeah he'd rather kind of he's he's like the perfect sort of manager in that sense he's always trying to find the kind of the the money ball deal and kind of get the riders at the right rates and and uh and that, that then breeds a culture within the team because once they're there they a lot of the riders will be racing to get off there to get more money <laughs> so <laughs> so they, they so used to quick step they used to kind of quick step as their kind of stepping stone to the big bucks and then move on again. <laughs> so it's, it's, and Patrick Lefebvre knows that. And I think all the agents know that. The riders know that. They know if you're coming to Quickstep, you're coming to win races. But likely you won't be able to hang around because once you've won those races, he won't pay you, pay you that much. So it's, it's pretty cool. That's really interesting. And, and it's, not just the, it's not just the winners and the leaders who do that as well. Sometimes so key domestiques will do that, like Jack Bauer as well. He kind yeah. of did a reboot there, didn't he? And re- like had a really good year or maybe two. And then you know, ended up where he is. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, politics of bike racing. but Remco is obviously, like you said, he's, he's different, isn't he? He's different in every single regard. And, and like you say, he's a, they can't let him go. He's a major, major, pr- he's, yeah. a, he's totally different in terms of their building a team around him sort of thing. Yeah. And it's also, you got to remember, because we just actually read, to, I just read today that Koenig is, is pulling out as a sponsor. Now, that means they'll have to find another sponsor. So if you've got Remco in your books for five years, which he has, that's a solid investment to have. It's like owning a, an amazing piece of property. Yeah, it's kind of it, it's a it's a great value add to the proposition if you're looking for sponsorship. Because now big sponsors will come to the team and go, "Oh, you've got Remco. How long have you got him for? Five years. Okay, we'll invest in that." Yeah. So that's quite a quite an astute move from Patrick Lefebvre as well. For the first time, he broke his own rules and invested in Remco, knowing that it would not only be. Uh, it's. It wasn't going to cost him money because actually having him would find the money to pay for him. It's like yeah. chicken or the egg. Yeah. So it's pretty clever. All yeah. of that stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. So Quickstep have committed for another five years or something, haven't they? To you know extend extend their sponsorship to a quarter of a century, which is pretty amazing. Wow, um, that is amazing. And uh, but yeah, you're right. They're gonna they're gonna at some point add a, a, a well not a secondary sponsor, primary sponsor to that. And I for one. Would be disappointed if it's a company I've heard of. <laughs> I was going to say the same. You know, you'd, you'd hope. And I was actually just thinking about this the other day because I was thinking about Remco. Obviously, <clears throat> it's got such a great name. It's like it's like a steel company. Oh, you know, there is a company but, called Remco, isn't there? I was googling it. I bet once. there is. It's kind of also like Agri Tubel. I know one of your favourite all times. Oh, but Remco feels like they should get a steel company oh, or some Armco. You know, like Armco and at the side of roads and Remco. Uh, or just start a company called Remco. Remco Products, your, your partners in hygiene. Uh, Remco Products, Remco provides specialised solutions and products, including colour-coded tools for cleaning and material handling where hygiene and safety are critical. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a perfect cycling, Remco a Quickstep. cycling sponsor 101. Remco, here's Remco riding for Remco Quickstep. That's just brilliant. Here comes Remco. And a, Remco? Yeah. And it's Remco, Remco on the front, and it's Remco on the back. And imagine the kind of, um, yeah, the team launch. Imagine all the photos they could take of Remco holding all the colour-coded tools, you know, just arra- arranging them, and, 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 you know. For... 
Um, Dreamy. That would be pretty cool. So, but yeah. no, before we leave the subject of Remco alone, David, because he's such a unique prospect, I thought that um, Philip made a really interesting point and one that I hadn't considered before uh, when he uh, talked to me about the fact, the importance of the fact that Remco comes from Brussels. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't realise this. I was interested when I heard that. It's really interesting. So uh, here's, here's a little clip of um, uh, Philip talking about that subject. I think he's f- really famous, not only in Belgium, but especially in Belgium, because also he's like a really nice guy. You know, he speaks really good French, speaks uh, Flemish, speaks English. So for his age, he's really impressive, you know, and uh, he's also from Brussels, which is like, like okay, he's like from the Flemish part, but Brussels is like kind of neutral you know so it's like eddie max you know it was the same yeah. you know so when you are from the area of Brussels, like yeah yeah like south of belgium say that you're like from them and, and, and north says you're from them so <laughs> you're always there in the middle you know so you're, you have a special place in the heart of belgium so that's cool in so many ways, David. Like the fact that he kind of bridges that this divide mm. and, and straddles the two cultures. Um, but also cool, what's so cool about that as well is that it puts, him, it puts him in the same geographical, historical, cultural place as Eddie Merckx, doesn't it? You know, yeah. Just, just I know, that's mega. I, didn't, I mean, I know that it's for such a small, small country as Belgium is, Belgium is that there is such strong affiliations to those regions. And and those zones. I mean, do you think it's just Flemish or Wallonie? But actually, I didn't realise that Brussels kind of held that sort of capital status of bridging the two, which is which is pretty cool. Because I guess either the cyclists normally they either come from deep Flanders, yeah, or Wallonie, yeah. So it's pretty rare for them to come out of Brussels, yeah. Which, which kind of it's like a, it's like Game of Thrones. It sort of brings the country together. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it's largely Brussels is largely French speaking, but. Um, but it does have a kind of an, a, an element of, and it's incredibly important. So I hadn't realised that um, the Belgian state, which is kind of, uh, uh, you know, the kingdom initially in the state was created in 1830. Um, and a little bit like so many other European states, it's deeply artificial in terms of kind of trying to accommodate these two culturally kind of completely different tribes if you like um and then there's a huge economic kind of imbalance but i hadn't realized that um after the second world war uh everything kind of changed during the rebuilding process of the 1950s etc that um the mining industry that obviously if you think about liege and namur and places like that in wallonie that had made them prosperous um, and actually richer than the agricultural Flanders, um, started to collapse, and, and their economy in Wallonie started to tank um, relative to, to uh, Flanders, which actually started to boom and become industrial and, uh, and actually develop at a much faster rate. And so everything kind of flipped on its head, because prior to that, the Flemish in Belgium had been you know, very much oppressed actually i mean dutch wasn't recognized as a language uh, official language in in the belgian state until really late on um so it's not like we kind of like joke about it a bit in cycling you know this this rivalry between the ardennes classics and the you know flanders and flanders and wallonie it's and it's kind of but actually it's kind of every now and again it's a tinderbox every now and again it does flare up um and in the 1960s it was you know borderline kind of civil unrest 
um, mm. in in uh, in Belgium, and it was at that point that um, they actually drew borders where there had been no borders previously, and Belgium was divided, partitioned with regional a degree of regional autonomy into four cantons. Um, one is really really tiny, and it's right hard up to the east of the country, and uh, it's for the very small German speaking population. Uh, there we can kind of ignore them they don't really figure in the grand scheme of things the other is Wallonie which is the south you know if you draw a line across from Brussels Wallonie is 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 south of that line and then the other one is Flanders north of it and then the fourth one is Brussels sits right in the middle at the core like the core of an apple so Brussels is its own canton Um, so I hadn't really ever sat down and kind of looked at the structure of, of Belgium like that facts I didn't know that either. A few facts, yeah. And the other thing about Philippe Gilbert that is really cool is the fact that he's a rare, a relatively rare uh, Wallon champion, isn't he? C- compared to all the, yeah, you know, he like, is. <clears throat> you know the, the absolute, absolute kind of uh, absolute plethora of contemporary uh, great Flemish riders, and uh, so he's a bit of an anomaly. Yeah. And that was actually exemplified by his early career because instead of going to to Lotto and Quick Step or whatever it was called back then. Um, <clears throat> he he went to Francis de Jeux, FDJ. So he went to a French team because he was actually for French speaking, French speaking number one before Flamel. So it's, um, and I guess show how his career kind of shaped like that because actually he really did kind of treat himself more as a, he was more comfortable in the French environment than he was the, the Flandrian. So it's, um, so, so, so yeah, he's a pretty interesting dude, Phil Gilbert, because he does, does understand because this and i think as well <clears throat> can't underestimate there is quite a it's not just a rivalry there's a there's a bit of the, the flandrian riders look down a bit on the wallen riders so it's um the fact that he broke free of that and then ended up crushing and even winning tour of flanders as a wallon is pretty cool because uh, it wouldn't have been so easy for him when he's younger yeah. dealing with all the flandrians as a as a wallon yeah and he did it in the Belgian national champions jersey as well, didn't he? That's quite. That was proper. That was quite a moment. Yeah, yeah. He was very funny. If, he was very funny also about the um, the the Belgian attack in Paris Nice. Tell oh, yeah, us about that. So it was he, he uh, it's completely planned. So, but um, so Oliver Narsen orchestrated it. I think it's quite well known now, isn't it? That the whole idea came from Oliver Narsen. But and they have done it before, and they've done it at the Tour de France. But this was the first time that Philippe Gilbert was included. <laughs> so I was really, so I was really, I was really pissed off. I've never been invited, and um, Oliver Narsen for all these reasons that you just outlined. And Narsen and Narsen yeah. said, "Do you want to come this time?" And he went, "Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys." But um, oh wow! But it didn't work. And he he said, and he's he's quite cross actually. He said, "One of these days we'll do it again, and it will go to the line." He's quite serious about it. Like we're going to mm. do this, and it's going to go to the line one day. Um, You've got to, yeah, because it's like, I mean, we've spoken about that before where <clears throat> there was a Giro in 83 or 84 when Guimard had his team every day, I think it was Renault back then, uh, attack, uh, let's do the sprint intermediate, uh, and then just kept doing it to the point, it was kind of nonsensical and they go so hard <clears throat> that teams, the peloton ended up just letting them go, convinced, and they'd, then they'd slow up and come back. They kept doing it until one day where Guimard planned for them to just carry on and go all the way to the finish line and they did and it worked but it's so you kind of you don't that doesn't work if you do it two or three times you need to do it four or five times until you wear people down 
and then eventually you go and it's like no they've done it <laughs> so yeah He's, yeah, he said on that occasion in Paris Nice, actually, he was quite cross because he said to, it was the Koenig Quickstep team car that told him to come back. Like, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was the Quickstep. And you would go, oh, guys, you know. But, um, <laughs> the coolest yeah, thing. But good. before we leave the Wallen Flemish thing behind us, David, I, I just want to play a bit of music at this point. So I'm going to float in this music now. You know how I like Jack Brell? I know how you love Jack Brell. Aïe, Marique, Marique, je t'aimais tant Entre les tours de Bruges et Gand Aïe, Marique, Marique, il y a longtemps First thing I did when the Tour de France, when we all arrived in Brussels, seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it, for the start in 2019. The first thing I did when we arrived a few days before for the race was not go and to any team hotels or do any research about the Tour de France. I actually went to seek out the statue of Jacques Brel in the middle of Brussels and visit the Jacques Brel Museum. This is my favourite song, actually, the one that's playing at the moment. Jacques, uh, this, is, this is called Marik. And the reason that I love this song so much is because he sings equal, equal measures of Flemish and French. Um, beautiful, beautiful lyrics, actually. I mean, if you can understand a little bit of it, he's actually singing about, um, he's, he's singing about uh, Flanders. So that the, the words roughly translated, he sings in French. He says, I, Marik, Marik, I loved you so much between the towers of Bruges and Ghent. Marika Marika, long time ago, between the towers of Bruges and Ghent. And then he flips to Dutch and he sings, Without love, warm love, the wind is blowing, the stupid wind. Without love, warm love, weeps the sea, the grey sea. Without love, warm love, does the light suffer the dark light and scours the sand over my country, my country, my Flandrian country. Beautiful lyrics, um, and he. But the the, the amazing thing about Jack Brel is both both he's he's Remco, he's Remco. That's what I'm trying to say, and he's Eddie because he's somebody who all Belgians can universally admire, you know, um, which is pretty remarkable because he spent most of his life in Paris um, and uh, was really quite insulting about the country that he loved, hated, loved, hated, you know, his home country of Belgium. In fact, he described Belgians as being Nazis during the wars and Catholics in between. <laughs> and, and yet they're, they're immensely proud of him. And uh, occasionally he'd issue like a, a call to arms to unify the country. And bear in mind, he was, you know, all his great songwriting was in the 1950s and 60s. He said, if I were king of Belgium... I would send all the Flemings to Wallonia and all the Walloons to Flanders for six months, like military service. They would live with a family and that would solve all our ethnic and linguistic problems very fast because everybody's tooth aches in the same way and everybody loves their mother. Everybody loves or hates spinach. And those are the things that really count. Brilliant. Where do you stand on spinach, David? I actually quite like it. Funny enough, I bought spinach pizza yesterday. <clears throat> yeah. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's on that's on the on the limit, but it's better than tuna or chicken on a pizza, which just makes no sense. Yeah. Um yeah. uh actually speaking of poetry, you were going to, but because of the confusion of our podcast yesterday, uh read out your was oh, it the Hungarian. That was amazing. Attila Valter's Twitter feed. Yeah. Oh, that was so cool. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. So if you search out Attila Valter, sorry, Valter Attila. Did you know that, by the way? Did I, I say that? No. So actually, in, in Hungarian, it's a bit like... Um, it's reverse. Uh, it's like Chinese. Ch- Ch- Chinese, so, yeah. Surname's so the, patra, the patronymic yeah. or whatever the surname goes, you flip it around. So actually, he's not Attila Valter. He's Walter Attila. He's Walter Attila. Right? <laughs> Walter Attila. <clears throat> but if you go to his Twitter feed, um, he has posted a picture of um, what looks like, let me just look at it again. It looks like uh, it's a bunch of people in a office somewhere in Hungary and they're all dressed, uh, they've all come to work in, I think they're all women. Yeah, they're all, no, one or two men there. They've all come to work in pink for the day. So they're all wearing something pink and they're holding up, um, each holding up a letter uh, that says something in Hungarian, totally uh, incomprehensible. And they have tweeted a poem to him, uh, which I put into, you know, the translate option because I literally don't understand a word of Hungarian because it's bonkers. Um, shall I, do you want to read it in Hungarian first and then I'll translate it, David? You can try. Hang on. I've got to get it you get, up. Get it up. I tried Hungarian before and I was terrible. You try. Oh, okay. I'll do, how about I do the Hungarian? <clears throat> I'll do the Hungarian verse for verse and then you translate it into English have you got it in front of you I'm just getting it up now okay okay I got it yes okay. okay I'll do the first verse and then you do the first verse in English okay yes okay here we go okay Walter Ati a legnagyob a talian filled alata remeg rusashin felhökbe biova egi erskag erte remeg Walter Ati is the greatest the ground trembles underground. Hiding in pink clouds, a country is shaking for it. Doban asviz tartski ati mendeki es kivani yates bernal es evenapool meg elmehet a kinaba. Heartbeat, hold out ati. Everyone wants that yates, bernal, and evenapool. You can go to China. <laughs> I absolutely love that. You can go to, I don't know, China. <laughs> That's brilliant, isn't it? So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it's uh, really good. Oh, uh, well. So, okay. um, you, yeah, you're, quite, you're kind of busy with your businessman life today, aren't you? So you're not going to be able to watch too much of the stage. I have board meeting this afternoon, so that's going to take up my afternoon. I mean, so It's only I'm the most, dr- it's only the most dramatic and beautiful stage of the Giro so far, but possibly... <laughs> I know it's work, Ned. Other work, yeah. Okay. But yeah. it has to be done. I'll watch it after. I probably will actually. Maybe I'll watch it this evening. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. Or we'll just replay. talk tomorrow morning, and you can say to me what happened. Or you just tell me about it all tomorrow morning. Good. Yeah, that's that's probably what I will end up doing. To be frank, to be, but to be brutally frank. sorry, yeah, to be brutally that's frank. That's yeah. right. All right. I feel like that's I've woken you up a bit early this morning. Well, it's not just that. I think probably just lost rhythm yesterday. Yesterday a bit. So just need to get back into it. I no no I'm I'm, I'm good. I feel great now. Okay, it just took me a little while to wake up. <laughs> but just at the end, I'm, I'm zinging now. Oh great! Right, right right at the end, just when you're going to hang up, you start zinging. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to hang out with Harvey. Go and hang out with Harvey. Is it jammy day? 
Is it Jamie Dean? Uh, no, it's just a school day. Regular. Although he was off yesterday because he was unwell. Yeah, I know, yeah. So, yeah. How's he feeling yeah. today? Is he good? How are you feeling today, Harvey? Good. Excellent. That feels good, good today. That's good to hear. We're back in the game. Back in the game. All right, David. Speak right. to you tomorrow. Okay, bye. See you now. See you. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 